Zimmerman with you, and what what an NFL week this this has been. Uh, did want to put together a podcast. We didn't do a guest this week because, well, <laughs> it's been been an odd week uh, to to say the least here with how to cover the NFL with the Demar Hamlin situation. Uh, recording this on a Thursday, and really good news coming out of Cincinnati today with how he's doing. Uh, you know, press conference from the Cincinnati hospital about how much better he's doing and he's, he's being responsive. And, and, and that is, that is great news. In fact, he even asked who won the game on Monday. So really good news out Demar Hamlin. He still is in critical, critical condition. He's still on a ventilator. So definitely not out of the woods, but what an absolutely terrifying situation that was on Monday. And I wrote about it a little bit at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, but, you know, that really, really makes you put things in perspective. It really humanizes the player in my eyes in this sport, not just DeMar Hamlin himself, but just seeing the teams on the field and seeing Josh Allen's expression with that his teammate is literally getting CPR on the field. You know, I, I, and I said this in, in, in my column about, you know, we see these guys as players. I, I do it. I, I think we all do it. And, of course, yes, they are NFL players, but I'm saying we don't really see them as people. We see them as players on our football team. We cheer for the Chicago Bears, so we see them as Chicago Bears players. You know, we don't we don't look at them as much as people. And I'm not saying we look at them as cyborgs or robots. I just don't think we really think about that aspect of things and when a player has a bad game, when something else happens, I'm not saying a player shouldn't be accountable for those things, but, you know, a lot of times we just jump, oh, well, he's dogging it or he sucks or, you know, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying fans aren't going to have that reaction. When I say this stuff, please don't make me think that I'm telling you you can't be upset when players on your team screw up or cost them a win or, or whatever it might be. But there's a huge difference when, you know, I'll bring up, I was at the Tennessee Titans game years ago. Uh, this was the Matt Barkley uh, years there right before, um, you know, right, right when Jay Cutler was ending right before Mitchell Trubisky began. I think it was 2016. It was right around Thanksgiving. Uh, the Bears were terrible. Nobody showed up at that game. Matt Barkley and, and the Titans were just crushing the Bears. And somehow the Bears mounted a comeback. And Josh Bellamy has a chance to catch the ball in the end zone for what would be a go-ahead touchdown with not a lot of time left, and it goes right through the wickets. I mean, it was a throw. It hit him in the chest. He could no, – no defender really that close to him. He couldn't hang on. So should you be upset that Josh Bellamy had a chance to, to – that, that Josh Bellamy cost them a game? Absolutely, as a fan, you can be upset Josh Bellamy cost them the game. But making it personal and attacking him personally on social media or whatever it might be, that that's where I draw a line. You know, And not that I'm saying it was okay before 
before this incident, but I really hope you, you know you take a minute, step back, kind of reflect as a fan. You know, if you are one of these people that kind of goes after players sometimes on social media because you know you're upset or whatever it might be, just take a step back and realize that there are a lot of things you know happening in that player's life that that we don't know about, and we just think of them as NFL players or sometimes just names on our fantasy football roster, and we're not looking at at the guy who you know may has a may have a parent who's sick or may have a child who's really sick, maybe having marital problems, may, uh, any number of things that are going to be weighing heavily on their mind. And they, you know, football is their job. Yeah, it's it's a very time commitment job. It's it's not a clock in, clock out, nine to fiver, but it is a job for them. And they are not, you know, always going to have that on their mind as the only and sole focus that they have going on. So I just think, you know, it really you know, makes you stop and think. It really makes you think about the players, think about them as people, as actual people, and not as a helmet or a jersey number. So that was that was a wild week and a scary week, and I am really glad that uh, right now it seems that things are trending in a good way for DeMar Hamlin. But as for the Chicago Bears, you know, because of DeMar Hamlin, we didn't do a guest, put out the podcast a little bit later than we usually do. But 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 at the same time, let's kind of sit here and talk about the Chicago Bears for a minute. And it's not easy to do, is it? I mean, right now, looking at this Bears team, it's really hard to extract anything worth talking about right now. It It really is. And look, Justin Fields was awful against the Detroit Lions. I know he got off to a hot start with running the football in the first quarter, but the whole team was awful. And I want to take a step back here and kind of look at this season as a whole. You know, when we we get through the season, we're going to review the season, start previewing free agency and NFL draft. There's so much to get into. This is a huge offseason for the Chicago Bears. I think Bears fans all know how big this offseason is for the Chicago Bears. So that's going to be on everyone's mind, and it absolutely should be. And I think most of us have realized that this season has been tanked, and it doesn't matter for the last couple, three weeks here, and we just want to fast forward to the end of the season because these games, there's just not much you can extract from these games. And, you know, these last few weeks about hearing Justin Fields and the learning and everything he's going to do, I am really glad the Bears decided to sit him this final week. Yes, they are absolutely putting Nathan Peterman out there because, you know, will they ever say it publicly? No, they're not going to say it publicly. I have a feeling, you know, Justin Fields could play. I know a sore hip or whatever it might be. Justin Fields could play if they wanted him to, but they'd like to lose. There's no positive to winning this week because if the Indianapolis Colts lose to the Houston Texans and the Colts may be playing the worst football in the NFL right now. So it is absolutely possible that the Houston Texans can win this week. Of course, the Chicago Bears, I'm sure you all know now, slide into that number one pick. And that number one pick is most likely going to be Bryce Young. And the Bears, 99.9% are not going to be drafting a quarterback. And when I say 99.9%, I want to talk about a tweet I sent out earlier and, and, and explain it. And I knew the tweet wasn't going to be popular and I knew it was going to be misconstrued, but I wanted to say it anyway, because there's this idea that if Ryan Poles looks at Bryce Young, you know, glances at him, 
that he, he's the dumbest GM in the history of the sport. You know, I've seen it all over my timeline because they're coming after Brad Biggs or anyone else that says, you know, if Justin Fields is the quarterback moving forward. Look, I don't think Ryan Poles is a moron. Ryan Poles sees what Justin Fields is doing. Ryan Poles knows how much the deck is stacked against him because he stacked the deck against him. And we yelled and we screamed all off season about what a poor process this was in terms of building this roster. Yes, is he stripping it down and starting over? Absolutely. Did he have limited resources in terms of where he could spend and what he could do with the draft with no first round pick? Absolutely. But it's how he you know, use those resources was where my big problem was. I did not expect the Bears to, you know, sign a couple guys, draft a couple guys, and go 10-7 and this year. But I did think that Ryan Poles was going to put a couple pieces in place so Justin Fields had something where they could actually evaluate him as a quarterback this year. And I had concerns that they weren't going to get a good evaluation on him because of how crappy the the team was around him. It was probably the worst offense in the league around Justin Fields. So now we sit here and know what a dynamic player he is because Justin Fields rose above all that. And, you know, the dynamic runs and some of the dynamic throws, we know how dynamic he is. But I think what Brad Biggs and some of these other guys is trying to say is that we haven't seen Justin Fields, you know, you know, on a consistent basis, just two, three, four games in a row, throw for 220 yards with, you know, 70 yards rushing and two touchdowns and no picks. We haven't seen that. We see a game here, or a game there with that, but he barely was cracking 200 yards. Now, before you sit there and go, oh, Bill's one of them too. No, we, we can look at it also and go, well, Justin Fields has nobody to throw to, has a terrible offensive line, and, I mean, when you see this game against Detroit, that was my fear. You know, the Cleveland game last year, the Detroit game we, we saw on Sunday, that was my fear for Justin Fields, was that those were the games he was going to be having, and we would have no idea as a fan base if he could be the guy because of the inept, you know, the, the, the inability of the players around him. That was my concern. Now, Justin Fields, in a lot of ways, was so good that he carried a, a morgue of an offense to, you know, 30 points games for, for four or five weeks in a row. And that was great to see. And you see some dynamic throws. But I think, you know, and I know Dan Weirder gets way too negative. I think Biggs usually stays pretty darn neutral. And I think a guy like Biggs is just trying to say if because of the fact that it's not a slam dunk right now that Justin Fields becomes a top five quarterback in the league. He's showing the potential, but does he? did he show enough in the passing game? No, he didn't. Are there 800 reasons why he didn't, from Getze's play calling to the wide receivers to the offensive line and everything else in between? 100%. So you can sit there as a fan and go, well, there's an obvious reason why Justin Fields didn't show enough in the passing game in terms of a full passing game. Not not a great throw here or there. We all fell into that trap with Mitch Trubisky, I think, early on. Well, look at this great throw, look at this great throw, and look at this great throw. He's great, but we ignored 20 out of the other 23 throws he made that game and went, well, he's learning. You know, now with Justin Fields, we don't want to fall into the same trap. Now, he's shown more than Trubisky. I'm not trying to compare the two directly in that regard, 
but he hasn't put together consistent passing games week after week after week. And I think that's the point that someone like Biggs is, is making, but at the same time, fans are getting annoyed because they're like, well, because of the offensive line, because of the wide receivers, because of Getze running plays on second and 12 all year long, that's why he hasn't shown that. Okay, that's fair. And, and I agree with you. This is not me disagreeing with you. But at the same time, we have to look at this and go, Ryan Poles' job is to make the Chicago Bears the best possible team they can be. And most likely, the best team they can be is with Justin Fields at quarterback. And I say that with like 99% certainty. And my tweet that I sent out was basically like, it's Ryan Poles' job to look at Bryce Young. Because if his evaluation is that Justin Fields will be a top 15 quarterback and that Bryce Young will be a top three quarterback. And again, I'm not saying Ryan Poles thinks this. I'm saying if he thinks this, well, then he has to think long and hard about taking Bryce Young. This is the quarterback position. Now, I think that evaluation would be wrong, but it's Ryan Poles' job to make that evaluation. And if that's his evaluation, then he needs to consider taking Bryce Young at the top of the draft. Now, if that's not his consideration, then they should absolutely trade down, or if they end up at two or three and they want to take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, those would be great players to add to this Chicago Bears roster. But the idea that Ryan Poles shouldn't even look at one of Bryce Young's games is stupid. Now, again, I want to stick with Justin Fields, but, I mean, the presumptive number one pick in 2024 is Caleb Williams. And any of you who watch college football, watch Caleb Williams out there and go, this guy could be Patrick Mahomes special. He looks like Mahomes out there half the time with some of the throws he makes. If Caleb Williams was eligible this year to come out, and, you know, you keep hearing that the, they may drop it from three years to two years post high school. You know, it hasn't happened. I don't know if it ever will. But if Caleb Williams was eligible to come out this year, the debate would be wildly different. Because then you're getting someone of Caleb Williams' ilk that I think most people think is a slam dunk to be an excellent NFL quarterback. You're resetting the clock on the quarterback contract, getting him at a rookie deal. And with what Justin Fields flashed this year, you could potentially get a pretty good haul of picks. I'm not saying like three number ones, but you could get a really solid draft haul, I would think, for Justin Fields. Now, again, I am not saying to trade Justin Fields. Do not twist my words. Do not tweet at me. Do not comment in the article and say, I can't believe you want to trade Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields. It is the most fun I have had watching a Bears quarterback in my lifetime, and I am old. I was born in the 70s. I remember watching Walter Payton. I remember watching Jim McMahon. I am old. So the fact that I can sit now, it's not like sit there watching Steve Walsh in the 90s was a treat, but I have watched enough bad Bears quarterbacks or mediocre ones like Jay Cutler to sit there and go, this is fun. This is exciting. This is different. So I am all in on the Justin Fields train. Do not take my words any differently, but it is Ryan Poles' job to improve the Bears, and if he doesn't look at Bryce Young, then he's not doing his job. And I know it's a different situation, but it's no different than Ryan Pace when he knew he wanted to take a quarterback and fell in love with Trubisky and didn't even look at Watson. 
That is gross negligence by Ryan Pace. He needed to evaluate all three quarterbacks. He chose not to. He said Watson was not his guy. And now, again, I know Deshaun Watson now. You probably sit there and go, thank goodness they didn't draft Deshaun Watson. But at the same time, Ryan Pace did not do a full evaluation. So when you sit there with the number one pick, because he's going to spend a ton of money in free agency, uh, and odds are the Bears are not going to be in the same situation next year. They better not be, or we're going to have big conversations about Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus a year from now. But assuming they win at least six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten games, depending on how much of a turnaround, you know, you, they go six and eleven next year. They're outside the top ten, most likely. That is a wildly different position in terms of drafting high-end quarterbacks. You don't usually get Justin Fields where the Bears did. For some reason, Fields fell. And a lot of draft evaluators sat there and went, Justin Fields is the best quarterback, or you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields is the second-best quarterback in this draft. But the Jets fell in love with Zach Wilson, and the Niners, well, some of the Niners fell in love with Trey Lance. Mac Jones, you know, didn't wasn't gone yet. You know, you so you sit there and wonder exactly what happened with Justin Fields. But all year we heard Trevor Lawrence won Justin Fields too. They're gonna go one, two in the draft. And then all of a sudden things changed after the football season and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and all these other guys pop up. So Fields fell, and it looks like it was a huge gift to the Chicago Bears. But those type of things you can't rely on. Top-end quarterbacks go in the top three, five of the draft, and the Chicago Bears are there. So all I'm saying is they need to just look. Ryan Poles, if he's good at his job, or even if he's mediocre at his job, should be able to look at Bryce Young, I think, and look at Justin Fields and go, Fields is the better option here. We should trade the pick. That's the evaluation that he should come to, but he needs to make that evaluation, and that's my point, and that is only my point. So when Brad Biggs says if and Bears fans attack him and go, he shouldn't even look at Bryce Young. Justin Fields is amazing. If Ryan Poles doesn't look at Bryce Young, he's not doing his job as the GM of the Chicago Bears. That's my point. But like moving forward here, because again, I'm not going to sit here and evaluate a Nathan Peterman game against the Minnesota Vikings. I think I'll watch the game, but I don't even know at this point because what is there to gain from watching what's left on this roster? Not much, if you ask me. So when you look at this roster, you're again still looking here and kind of going, you know, Ryan Poles is going to stick with his guys. We know that. But which one of Ryan Pace's guys is fitting into the long-term build here of the Chicago Bears? And you start going through it. David Montgomery is a free agent. Is he going to spend money on a running back like David Montgomery? Is he going to spend money on a different running back that's available in free agency? You know, there's a lot of different ways he can go there. They've got Khalil Herbert. He's a fantastic runner, but he struggles in a lot of other aspects of the game that David Montgomery can do well. So do they try and keep that pairing? Do they move on from David Montgomery? That is a wide open question, one I'm not sure. Cole Komet, this is a potential year you can extend him. 
Do you extend Cole Komet? Is Cole Komet going to sit there and say, I want 12, 13, 14 million a year because that's where tight ends are getting paid right now. I don't think the Bears should pay him more than 10. I think he's more like a $9 million player, but I don't think the Bears can extend him at $9 million. I think they're going to have to give him at least 10, 11, maybe more. I don't know if I want to spend that much money on Cole Komet. You know, Tevin Jenkins, I assume they're going to pencil him in as part of the, the you know, the, the offensive line next year. You know, but Cody Whitehair, has Cody is Cody Whitehair finished with the Chicago Bears after this season? I think there's a good chance that he is. They need to majorly overhaul the offensive line. You know, Darnell Mooney, available for an extension. Justin Fields loves him. Mooney loves Fields. Do they want to make sure that they have that pairing moving forward? Do they extend Darnell Mooney right away? Chase Claypool, available for an extension. They traded what's going to be the 32nd. The Miami Dolphins had their first-round pick forfeited. So they're going to trade the 32nd or 33rd pick, depending on where they fall, for Chase Claypool. That trade looks really bad right now. Chase Claypool should not be going for a pick that high. So now that they gave up this much draft capital for him, are they going to extend him? Based on what he's done in a Chicago Bears uniform, they should not. They need him to play out another year before they decide what to do with him, I think. But again, maybe Poles wants to make sure he's committed to and that maybe because he's had a bad year, they can get him cheaper. I'm not sure. What are they going to do with Chase Claypool? On the defensive side of the ball, there's not a lot of, of, of pace guys left. Eddie Jackson obviously is there. Jalen Johnson's obviously there. Those guys look like performers worth keeping around. There's really nobody from Pace's era on, on the front seven. You know, Travis Gibson, he looks like a rotational edge at this point. Nothing spectacular. He's been in the league long enough to kind of get a feel for what he is. So there's just not a lot of Ryan Pace guys left. So he's got to make decisions on who he wants to keep in that group, keep them moving forward, and then look at who he's brought in this year and kind of take a long look at them. You know, he's not going to give up on a guy like Velas Jones Jr., but Velas Jones Jr. had one, one good game. Is that enough to erase all the problems he's had this year? I certainly don't think so. I think that looks like a dangerous pick. I mean, we're sitting there at, at this point going – he, he invested in Chase Claypool and Bellis Jones to fix the wide receivers, and right now both of them aren't performing at all. So that is a concern. He has to decide how much he needs to go in wide receiver. There's offseason is fascinating because they have so much money and they have so many holes. So there's going to be a lot to talk about all through January, February, and into March, and that's before we know if the Bears are picking – you know, first or second, and all the conversation we're going to have in the draft about potentially trading down and what can happen there as well. So much going on, so much to discuss, and God, you just want the season to end at this point. Watching this Bears-Vikings game may be like having a root canal. It just may be atrocious to watch. Uh, there's not going to be Fields. It's going to be Nathan Peterman. And, you know, Tevin Jenkins isn't playing. Just a lot of the key guys are just not going to be out on the field. It's just ugh, it's just going to be a rough one, rough one to watch. But it's going to be a fascinating offseason, and we will be following it with you all offseason long. One last note before we wrap up, and that is Devin Hester, who is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And damn well he deserves to get in, and damn well he will get in. But will he get in this year? That one, unfortunately, I don't think he does. 
I think he's got a really good shot in 2024. That's kind of the year I've I have circled. I'm fortunate enough. I know a couple Hall of Fame voters, so I've talked to them a little bit about it. You know, I get a lot of this stuff in confidence, so I can't share too much. But I did hear from multiple people that Devin Hester, the way they do it with kind of voting guys through round by round, I think a lot of guys, because he's he's a returner, he's a specialist, that he wasn't going to get a lot of love on the first ballot. And Hester outperformed expectations in year one. I think that bodes really well for him. I don't know if he's going to make it enough to get in this year. I don't think so. I think he's going to fall short. But I think next year sets up really well for him to get into the Hall of Fame. And the way this Hall of Fame voting works, where guys sometimes sit around for 15, 20 years before they get the call. I mean, especially with like, you know, the the, the veterans committee, you know, in essence, those those type of committees putting guys in from 40, 50 years ago. You never really know how it's going to play out with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So the fact that Hester did well in year one, I think bodes well for him to make strides this year and potentially year three. So we're talking January of 2024 would be the opportunity for him to get in the Hall of Fame. So that's kind of where I am with Hester. I think he doesn't get in this year, but I think he does get the whole nod in, you know, 13 months from now. So hopefully that's the case. Obviously he's deserving. He was dynamic. He was so fun to watch. And the fact is, you know, we've never seen a returner go into the Hall of Fame, but Hester has proven he's the best that has ever done it, and he absolutely deserves to get in. You know, other guys, Olin Krutz, Peanut Tillman, those are different debates, and I think far more debatable than Devin Hester, because Devin Hester was a specialist, but he was simply the best to do it. I mean, the man has more touchdowns than Deion Sanders does, and Deion Sanders does kicks, punts, and interceptions, pick sixes. Those all count as return TDs. So Hester got more than Deion, and Deion had interceptions as well under his belt. He's that good. Like Corderell Patterson, I know a lot of people say, well, he's the best kick returner in NFL history. Maybe he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. Hester does kicks and punts and does them at a high level. We're not you know, getting things so specific. Well, this guy's the best run blocker on second and short in NFL history. That that That's too much. We're not getting into that level of specifics. We're talking about returning kicks and punts. Devin Hester, the best to ever do it. You know, Adam Vinatieri, as far as I'm concerned, best kicker to ever do it. When his name comes up for the hall in a few years, I doubt he's first ballot because he's a kicker, but Adam Vinatieri is going to get in. I know there's a couple kickers in there already, but because they're specialists, they have to be at that level. I believe Ray Guy, unless you count Blanda, and he was at also a quarterback, I believe Ray Guy is the only punter in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but Ray Guy was special. You know, if you look at his stats now, they don't stand out off the page as much as they used to because, you know, players punt the ball further than they used to. But Guy was consistently, not just in terms of getting the best distance, but he had so much hang time on his punts that he got a lot of fair catches and and returners did not get a lot of opportunities. So it, it, it presented a great net yardage for him. So Ray Guy was special. He was different than everyone else in his era. And for decades after, he was talked about as the best punter of all time. I think a lot of guys still would talk about Ray Guy as the best punter 
of all time. So that that's the kind of thing, when you're a specialist, when you're a kicker, when you're a punter, when you're a returner, that's the level you need to be at to be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Devin Hester is clearly, as we all know, at that level. So we got one game to go, and this season will mercilessly come to an end. And look, last thing I'm going to say here before I end this podcast, and I'm not an I told you so guy, but this offseason, Bears fans, let's come at it with a little more objectivity. This past offseason was rough. For, for myself and a lot of other content creators. And I know we sit there as content creators. You know, there's, you know, Brad Biggs does work for the Chicago Tribune. That is his full-time job. People like myself, we're doing this as like a side hustle or as fun and we're content creators. And yeah, it takes a little bit of an ego to be a content creator that I'm sitting here and talking into a microphone for 30 minutes thinking that you want to hear what I have to say about the Chicago Bears. And for the thousands of you that, that, that do do that every week, I love you and I appreciate you because you make this fun for me to do. I enjoy it. I love it. And, and I hope we have a lot of fun along the way. But last offseason, I sat there and I argued with Bears fans and other content creators and sat there and said, you know, people were really positive and I didn't understand why really positive about what the bears were going to be this year. And Oh, they were going to surprise people. And the offensive line was better than people expected. And David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert will be great. And, and Mooney and, you know, Oh, and, and Harry is going to bounce back and Brown's going to be better in, in the Getzy offense. And they're, they're sleeping on the defense. And I hear all these things, and I'm sitting there just looking at this roster going, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And 17 games later, I'm still asking, what were they seeing that I wasn't seeing? Because, look, I do not want to sit there and crap on the team. I wanted to sit there and have objective conversations about building for the future. But when I'm getting bombarded with the Bears are going 10-7, and 9-8, and eight, I think they squeak into the playoffs. And I get it. Hope springs eternal. You know, new regime, new coach, new GM. But a lot of Bears fans, look, Matt Nagy was terrible the last couple of years. But a lot of Bears fans just assume Matt Nagy screwed everything up and the roster was great, but also wanted to crap all over Ryan Pace, even though they love the roster, which never made any sense to me. But at the same time, it was this constant barrage of you hate the Bears, you're crapping all over the Bears, the Bears are going to be good. And no, they weren't objectively coming into this year. And if you talk to Ryan Poles, when the cameras were off, you had a beer at, at some bar in Lake Forest, Ryan Poles would have said, we know we're going to be terrible. We're stripping the roster down. We're starting over. So the fact that Bears fans were just coming at me and, and some of the other content creators I talked to, like, you guys are idiots. You're, you're just crapping all over the team. And I'm sitting there going, no, guys, this roster is bad, objectively. They, are they have one of the bottom five rosters in the NFL. They are going to be bad. And here we are with a chance at the number one pick with one game to go because their roster was that bad. So this offseason, as a group, Let's look at this objectively. Let's not just do in Ryan Poles we trust. And every every pick he makes, 
every person he signs is going to be, you know, the next golden goose. Let's look at it objectively, go, maybe that wasn't a great signing. Maybe it is a great signing, but let's talk about it objectively. Let's look at what the holes are in the roster and see how he fills them throughout the offseason. There is a lot of work to be done. So let's look at it, and maybe there's enough strides where we sit there and go, yeah, the Bears could win 8, 9, 10 games and fight for that 7 spot in the playoffs. That would be great. But maybe they, you know, it doesn't pan out as well. They don't make as many high-quality signings, and they're only going to be looking at a team that may only improve a couple, three games. I sure hope that's not the case, but we have to look at that as a possibility. So let's just take a minute and take a step back and be a little more objective and just keep in mind when dummies like me do a podcast, we're trying to be as objective as we can with this team. We're not trying to be blatant homers. We're not trying to just crap on the team because we don't like them. We're all Bears fans. We all want this team to go 14-3 and and win the Super Bowl. But they are a long ways off from that, and they have a lot of work to do. So let's watch it together. Let's see it come together together. And let's not just sit there and assume that I'm a moron, which I am, but let's not assume I'm a moron because I, I, I have an issue with a signing or how much money Ryan Poles doled out to somebody. All right? Let's assume I'm an idiot for many other reasons of which I can name in a future podcast. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. One game to go. Bear down, everybody. You can do it. We'll talk to you later. Adios. Adios.